Good evening. It's Wednesday night. Let's take our Bibles and go to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. And we will do something a little different tonight um, because I have the opportunity to work with uh, new believers on a regular basis and to have discipleship classes. I often have questions that are asked in regard to culture or current events or just things going on at this in the world around us that I think that would be a good question to answer for the whole congregation to see what God's Word says. And so tonight, Wednesday night, I thought we would turn to Luke chapter 13 and answer a few questions that I thought were just good questions. And perhaps um, it would benefit all to hear biblical answers to these questions. Luke chapter 13, and we'll get there in just a moment. The first question that was asked to me recently is, is COVID-19 God's judgment on America? Is the coronavirus God's judgment on America? And I'd like to just remind us all that this COVID-19 is not isolated to the United States. It's a worldwide pandemic. So it could not be judgment on America alone. But beyond that, I'd like you to look at Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, the Bible says in verse 1, There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower of Siloam fell, and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So here you have two different stories. One was a vindictive story about Pilate mingling in his sacrifice the blood of Galileans and uh, offering that up on his sacrifices in just a brutal act. And then the second is a story of a tower that fell near uh, this uh, Siloam, near the pool of Siloam. And it, it, uh, it falls and it kills 18 people, slew them. And the question is, do you think that those people that suffered these things or that died by the tower falling out on them were worse sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? And he says, no, they weren't. There's another story in the Bible, John chapter 9, where the disciples are with Jesus and they come across a man who's blind from birth. And they said, who did sin, this man or his parents, which are which is really a terrible question. He's been blind from birth. Did he sin prenatally? Um, that doesn't. That's ridiculous. The other would be, did his parents sin? That would be to ask, did God punish him for something he didn't do, but his parents did it? Well, Jesus very patiently answers and says that this is for the glory of God, for that very day and hour when he would heal this man. But I want to point out that those who contract COVID-19, um, are they worse sinners than those who escape it? 
Or are those who have upper respiratory problems that make them more susceptible, are they more wicked? Perhaps we could say the aged, the infirm, the older who are more susceptible to this are worse sinners than young and healthy people? Well, of course not. The state of our immune system is not an indication of our spiritual health. And uh, is COVID-19 God's judgment on America? Well, no, it's not. You can't look at someone who has cancer or any other disease or catches a virus and say, well, obviously the judgment of God's upon them. What we can say is in the most general terms that all suffering, all disease, all death is the result of sin and the curse. Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So, we're all sinners, and sin is what brought all disease and uh, viruses and even death into this world. So, no, COVID-19 is not, we cannot say it's a judgment on America, um, first of all, it's a worldwide pandemic, and then people who get it, that doesn't make them worse sinners than the rest of us who have not gotten it. Second, I think that's a good question. Second question is, is COVID-19 the pestilence of the end times? Well, would you turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 24? Matthew chapter 24, verse number 7. Matthew 24, verse 7. Um, while you're turning to Matthew 24, verse 7, I want to point out that um, the word pestilence, about 49 times in the Bible, 28 of those times, it's with the word famine. So almost 60% of the usages of this word pestilence have to do with famine. It actually goes all the way back to Deuteronomy 28 where God told the children of Israel in the blessings and cursing sections of the law, where he said, if you keep my law, I'll bless you, if you, if you will, just to read the verse, Deuteronomy 28:15. but it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee, God speaking to Israel, and overtake thee, he goes on in Deuteronomy 28, verse 16, to say that they would be cursed in the city, in the field, in their storehouse, the fruit of their body, their families, the fruit of the land, their kind or their cows, their sheep would be cursed. All that thou settest thine hand unto for to do, verse 20, and says, until thou perish quickly. And then Deuteronomy 28, verse 21 says, the Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he have consumed thee, God have consumed thee from off the land, whither thou goest to possess it. Again, this is a theocracy. This is Israel God's talking about. And it kind of goes on and describes pestilences in verse 22 and 23, saying, calling them consumption. That's where the body consumes or wastes away. And with a fever, inflammation, extreme burning, then it says the sword. Now that's enemies from without. And then blasting, that is the word for blight. Mildew, that would be that uh, rust that destroys a plant. Until, it says, the heaven that's over thy head shall be brass, the earth that's under thee shall be iron. So, with that in mind, that back in Deuteronomy 28, God, God 
warned Israel if they turned away from his law to other gods, he would bring certain curses upon them, and one of those would be pestilence. Now that was again in the nation of Israel. Well, the question was, is COVID-19 a pestilence of the end times? And Matthew 24, I can answer very quickly, then we'll read the verse, but no, it is not. Um, the end time does not officially begin until the Antichrist sets up the seven-year covenant with Israel. You see that in the last verse of Daniel chapter 9. And the tribulation does not start until the Antichrist comes in on the scene. So, no, we're not in the seven-year tribulation. The Antichrist has not come up into this world and set up a covenant with all nations so that we have peace with Israel and the Muslim and all na nationwide, worldwide, global peace which he breaks that halfway through the tribulation period with the abomination of desolations. None of that has happened yet. The, the Antichrist is not on the scene yet. He has not, he has not um, of course, the church has to be taken out first. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, that, that, uh, that the church is, um, he which withhold, withholdeth, the Holy Spirit will continue to withhold until uh, he be taken out of the way. Then the Antichrist comes on the scene. And then the tribulation period begins with that covenant. So having said that, what we're seeing now in this COVID-19 is just a snapshot in miniature that is far, far more minuscule than what we cannot even imagine in the end days of the seven-year tribulation. Um, the Bible says a third of the population of the earth will be destroyed. Uh, we're talking two plus billion people will die um, in the tribulation period. This is unfathomable. But Matthew chapter 24, verse 7, Matthew 24 is all about the tribulation period. And it says that during this time, which it, it kind of terms as the beginning of sorrows, that is a technical expression for the beginning part of the tribulation. Matthew 24, verse 7, For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Again, uh, we back in the 50s and 60s, we could not even imagine in, in our wildest dreams that an Antichrist could control the whole world. But now people have televisions, people have the Internet, um, everyone has computers. Uh, we, we all have uh, so many things we can look around. And God's actually, even, even with this COVID-19, God is being gracious, showing us that this is a snapshot. Every word of his word is true. Every word of the book of Revelation will be fulfilled, and every comma, every single jot and tittle, it's all going to be fulfilled. It's all going to be fulfilled in detail, as God has said. Um, this pestilence that we are seeing does not compare to two billion people during the tribulation period who will die. Along the same lines... Is COVID-19 a prophesied pestilence of the end times? I'd like you to turn to Psalm 91. Um, a parallel question that was asked um, of me this past week was, Psalm 91, could it be speaking of COVID-19? Well, I, I put this under my second question, is COVID-19 a pestilence of the end times? No, it's not. But let's look at Psalm 91. I believe it's beneficial. 
Psalm 91, verse 1, a precious passage. The Bible says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This is talking about abiding, staying close to God, dwelling, staying as dwelleth, present tense. It's this ongoing, close fellowship with God and protection that's provided by walking with God. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Verse 3, Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wing shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. And then verse 6, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness. Now, you've already read about noise and pestilence in verse 3. And verse 6, the pestilence that walketh in darkness. It's not as though in the at night time it makes greater headway, it's that you can't see it. It's not visible. There's plagues, there's pestilence that you can't see it. It's as though it's in the dark. Nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Imagine this in the terms of pestilence, where there is pestilence or plague and there's thousands and ten thousands that die, but those Israelites who are dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, abiding under the shadow of the Almighty, have a protection of God as their refuge and fortress. This God who they trust in, He covers them with His feathers under His wings, they trust. And it says that they would see death on every side. But End of verse 7, But it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Imagine seeing people dying. with You see them with your own eyes on every side. Verse 9, Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. And then the next verses are quoted by Satan. Satan knows the Bible and uses it against uh, against its proper purpose. But he quoted it to Jesus, if you remember. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Verse 12. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. So this passage deals with pestilence. And in verses uh, 3 and 6, and really many of the verses in between, and verse number 10. The plague shall not come nigh thy dwelling. This again referring back to Deuteronomy 28. The blessings and cursings that would come upon Israel, depending upon whether or not they kept the law of God. If they kept God's word, God would bless their crops, their livestock, their family with fruitfulness. If they did not, God would curse, or all those things would go wrong. In the midst of this setting with Israel, there is this promise that God's people Israel have, that their family would be safe if they dwelt dwelt where they ought to with God. The question that was posed to me was, is this talking about the end times? Well, it's talking about the nation of Israel. And this, can it be applied to us today? Well, we can definitely say a few things. First of all, the safest place to always be is in the center of God's will, walking with God. Second, 
whenever we pray and ask God for safety, it's always with a sense, not my will, but thine be done. And Lord, bring glory through me for your greater purpose. We pray for safety. We leave it in God's hands. Is God able to? He's able to deliver us. There's no doubt about that. And having your life trusted into the hands of God is the safest place to be. There is no guarantee here for us that if we walk with God, we won't get cancer. We won't get COVID-19. But we know this. We know that as for God, his way is perfect. And we can live without fear. And that's, this is the point. Verse 5, thou shalt not be afraid for the terror. So God's people, God has not given us the spirit of fear. We live in a peace that passes all understanding because we walk with him who shepherds us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The third question that was asked and final is, can we pray for God to heal our land? when there has been no national repentance. Now, just to be straightforward with you, this was a question that I had. And on my knees before the Lord, I'm asking God, Lord, how can we pray for you to heal our land when there is no turning back to you? There is not a heart to seek God, our nation, like Nineveh, all repenting in sackcloth and ashes, in sorrow over sin. There, there is no national wave of repentance. Now, we're praying that God would awaken America and maybe even use COVID-19 to awaken a sense of awareness of God and bring America to a sense of sorrow over sin and seeking after God. But we don't see this. So my question is, Lord, how can we pray for you to heal our land when there's been no national repentance? And the Lord brought to my mind a passage in the Old Testament where there were ten plagues that were brought upon Egypt when God told Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh said no. Well, four of those plagues, the Bible tells us, uh, for instance, Exodus chapter 8, verse 8, four of those plagues, Pharaoh entreated, requested, asked of Moses, cry out to your God, that he would remove this pestilence, that he would remove this plague from us. And Moses did. He cried out on behalf of Pharaoh and the Egyptians that God would remove the plague, and God heard and God answered a pagan, idolatrous man whose heart was still hardened toward God. And I want to just point out Exodus chapter 8, verse 8. The Bible says, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs. In verse number 9, Moses said unto Pharaoh, he says, When shall I entreat for thee? In verse 10, Pharaoh said, Tomorrow. And the Bible says in verse 12, Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out of the houses, out of the villages, out of the fields. And they gathered them together upon heaps. And the land stank. Whoa, this is, this is a good example. This is a passage the Lord gave me. Yes, we can cry out for America. That God would heal our land. That doesn't mean that the, the judgment of aborting 
uh, countless babies and the judgment upon our land for for the sins uh, that America's committed, that there will be no judgment for that. But judgment on Pharaoh was forestalled. Judgment was moved back. The temporary plague of frogs was removed in the same chapter at the end of verse 28. Uh, Pharaoh cries out to entreat for him again. And God, in, well, Moses, in verse 30, Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord, and the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and he removed the swarms of flies. In chapter 9, verse 28, he entreats again. Uh, Moses, verse 33, spreads abroad his hands unto the Lord, and the thunder and the hail ceased and the rain. And then in chapter 10, verse 17, Pharaoh says, Entreat the Lord your God. In verse 18, it says that Moses, he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord turned a mighty strong west wind and took away the locust and cast them into the sea. So four times, Moses prayed for Pharaoh in the land of Egypt. For these plagues to be removed. Plagues that were uh, not like our situation today. Moses prayed for God to remove actual judgments from God and was heard. That's encouraging. I cannot guarantee you or say for sure that COVID-19 is definitely a judgment of, of, of God upon the world. It's a result of sin. All sickness and disease and death is. But in Moses' day, he prayed God would remove actual judgments and was heard. This is also, it was like I said, only a temporary reprieve from God's greater judgment that was coming upon Egypt. I'd like to point out that in the, in the case of uh, Moses and Pharaoh, the ten plagues were isolated upon one nation, and really less than that, because they weren't even in Goshen, where the children of Israel were. The ten plagues came upon, the plagues came upon the Egypt. Um, this was specifically because Pharaoh was directly disobeying the direct command of God, let my people go. And Egypt, at that time, they're still worshipping idols. Pharaoh still had a hard heart. Egypt was still slated for destruction. On the hand of America, looking at our country, we love America. We know America is not the hope of mankind. Jesus Christ is the only hope. He's our hope and our salvation. We know that President Trump is not our Savior. Jesus Christ is our only hope and our Savior. But I point out that, that in the case of Pharaoh, Pharaoh never called for a national day of prayer. President Trump did. If Moses can pray by the request of Pharaoh, certainly we can pray by the request of President Trump. We can pray because... God have mercy on America. It is still the land that we love. It is still the home of our forefathers and our children to come. So, can we pray for God to heal our land when there's been no national repentance? Yes, we can. Yes, we have a moral obligation to pray for all those that are in authority. We have an obligation to pray for our, our children and our children's children. All this that's happened in the past weeks brings many questions to mind. 
And I think this is a good time just to address a few questions. Is COVID-19 God's judgment on America? No, this is a worldwide pandemic. Is COVID-19 a prophesied pestilence of the end times? No. Oh, this, if, this is just a shadow of the horrors to come during the tribulation period. And this, this is a time when we, we can actually say, Father, would you use this evil for good? Would you open our country's eyes to our need for, for, the, for you, for God? And third, can we pray for God to heal our land? Yes. Even when there's been no national repentance, it always comes back to God's people. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. I hope that these questions that have been asked by others um, may have been a, a help and a blessing to you. And let's turn to God in prayer and ask God that he would um, help our church through this time and families that may be going through more difficult times financially. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of Berean Baptist Church in White House, Tennessee. And we, we love you. We love the church family that you've allowed us to have. There's families that we pray for every day, regularly. And they're on our hearts. We talk with them on the phone. I pray that the people of God, that you would awaken a consciousness of the needs of our church family. That we would be much on calling one another and texting one another and emailing one another and encouraging one another. Because we miss being together in the assembly. And you said this assembly is a place where we exhort one another. Lord, we're without that assembly of exhortation. So please help the people of God that we would call and encourage and exhort and help each other and keep each other accountable during this time. I pray that you would help us also, that we would pray to you. And I do now that you would heal our land. And even if the wicked of our country never give you credit, even if those in authority do not give you credit, Oh, Lord, your people who have called out to you for mercy and for healing, we know to whom the glory belongs. We will give honor to whom honor is due. Lord, we know that you are the one who can heal and help. And we call out to you and we ask you to have mercy on America. Thank you for raising up your people in America to pray for your, this nation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.